The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Very good. Thank you, Brother Mrs. Palmore. Take your Bible and go back to Zechariah, if you will, please. Let's look at verse 13, verse 9, just for reiteration's sake. He says, I will bring uh, the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined. I will try them as gold is tried. Uh, they shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. Many times when we go through suffering in our lives, it causes us to have a stronger desire to be closer to the Lord. I've seen more people get closer to the Lord during times of suffering than I have during times of prosperity. Uh, I've seen more people cry out to God during times of suffering, uh, times of loneliness, times of depression, times of separation, times of disparity. than I've seen people uh, that has been in a crowd of joy, uh, a crowd of fun, a crowd of prosperity. And so tonight uh, we see that God is allowing, yea, giving the privilege to these elite few that's going to serve in the tabernacle, if you will, to be able to go through a time of refining. How is he going to refine them? He's going to refine them by allowing them the privilege to go through the fire. Now, because they go through the fire, because they're tried as gold, the Bible says that they shall call upon the name of the Lord, and uh, they will say, uh, uh, He's my God. And, of course, he reckons that he is their God, as he says, These are my children. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 23, the Bible says this, The Bible says, In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. That means you're set apart. Now, sometimes God will use suffering to set us apart. The Bible says, and I pray, uh, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, as God purifies us, as God uh, gets us in a place where we can give a good hearing to God, many times God will use suffering in our lives. And so as I speak tonight on the conclusion of three messages preached on Sunday night uh, on understanding suffering, I want to give attention tonight on how we can prepare for suffering. Now, last Sunday night, I spoke on the who or what is the cause of suffering. And I said that suffering may be the result of our own actions. I said that suffering may be the result of the work of Satan. I said that suffering may be the result of the very chastisement of God. And those are the three areas that suffering is mentioned, not all inclusively, but as a large part that's mentioned in our Bible. So why, uh, what can we do? What can we do to be able to prepare to go through suffering? Let me give you some statements tonight uh, as uh, uh, the men try to keep up with me. Statement number one, uh, develop trust in God through an active Bible life. Now I'm using terms specifically through an active Bible life. Now what do I mean by that? Uh, the scriptures, most of the time as a believer reads them, God will take the word of God and help us as believers to be able to go through troublesome times. I, I really pity people uh, that are away from God. I pity people that are away from their Bible. I pity people that are away from local 
local churches that could encourage them and help them when they're going through troublesome times. Uh, so many times I've heard people say this, I could not have made it without the church. I could not have made it without God's people. I could not have made it without having a walk with God. Can I tell you, when troublesome times come, it's good to have an active Bible life. Now, I mean by that is you walk in the scriptures and now the scriptures to help you. Over in Psalm 46 and verse 1, the Bible says God is our refuge and strength. It says our very present help in trouble. Uh, verse 2, the Bible says, therefore it says, uh, will uh, we not fear? It says, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried away in the midst of the sea. Verse 3, the Bible says, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, uh, though the mountains shake, the Bible says, uh, with the swelling thereof. It says, listen to this, cast thy burden, the Bible says, in uh, Psalm 55 and verse 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee he uh, shall never suffer the righteous to be moved and so wait a minute uh, here in Psalm uh, 41 we get to see that uh, there's going to be a time of trouble uh, in Psalm 46 and verse 2 it says that there's going to be times where it almost feels like if you will that the earth is going to be removed uh, where that which is the mountains are cast into the sea where you hear the roaring sound of a troubled water uh, and yet the Bible talks about how the mountains will even shake uh, and they will swell thereof. But then God reminds us, for those of us that would trust in him, we're not disturbed by those things. Why? Because our peace is found in the Lord. Uh, God gives us peace no matter what you face. It doesn't matter what you face. Uh, God said, I can give you peace in the midst of the storm. Isn't it amazing how the Lord was asleep in the high part of the ship as the disciples are going through that which is a stormy day uh, turning into a stormy night and yet they turn to the Lord and the Lord is the one that spoke and the Lord is the one that calmed the raging sea he's the same Lord of yesterday as he is today uh, Bible says he is uh, 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 the Lord thy God he changeth not he's the same yesterday today and forever the same God that the disciples called upon for answered prayer is the same God that you and I can call upon today for answered prayer. And so the Bible teaches in the Old Testament that certainly we can trust in Him. The Bible teaches in the pages of the Old Testament that uh, we ought to live as uh, though we would live in a Bible life to be able to help us. May I tell you that man's exhortation and man's encouragement will only last as long as the man does but the word of God abideth forever uh, you can be uh, all by yourself and God can help you to be able to make it through why because God is God may I say tonight that over in the New Testament we are also exhorted to be able to understand the same thing first Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 the Bible says humble thyself there for under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. In verse 7, the same chapter, 1 Peter 5, the Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. There's no reason, there's no reason, it is unreasonable for a child of God to have poochie lip disease. 
where your bottom leg is sagging down between your two big toes and you keep tripping every other step you take. There's no reason for that. There's no reason for you to walk around looking like you lost your best friend. There's no reason for that. Why? Because God, the same God of the Old Testament, is the same God of the New Testament. And He being the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament reminds us that we ought to put our faith and trust in Him. How do you do that? Well, the Bible teaches in Nahum. Nahum chapter 1 and verse 7. The Bible says the Lord is good. It says a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. So how do I put my trust in him? Well, I've got to know who he is. Uh, He's the one that can help me in the time of trouble. He's the one that can be my strength in the time of weakness in my life. Isn't it amazing that the word faith is synonymous with that word that is trust? Isn't that amazing? So how is it that I can strengthen my faith so I can strengthen my trust? What can I do? Is there a magic to it? No, uh, but there is a way to it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, wait a minute. And so there's no secret to it. Matter of fact, God makes it very clear in his word. How do I build my faith? It comes by hearing and hearing. But you've heard me say this, that I'd rather you get too much church than not enough church. I'd rather you be in church than out of church. Uh, Why? Because uh, faith cometh by hearing. The strongest believers that are today are faithful church members. Why? Because you hear it. You hear it. You hear it. The people I submit to you tonight that get their prayers answered more frequently are those that are faithful church members. Why? Because you hear it. You hear it. You hear it. The people that step out by faith to accomplish something for God most likely are those that are more faithful church members. Why? You hear it. You hear it. You hear it. You hear it. Our children, when our children were coming up, uh, we learned to uh, uh, snap the finger. We talked about that on the way in tonight as we were driving in. Uh, I, you know, we just snapped the finger and they'd, they'd, they'd sit still. They'd be still. They'd, they'd obey. They'd listen. Why? Because we had trained them and they were used to hearing the snap. Or I would go, Psst. and they knew they were in trouble. It was time to be quiet. I didn't have to say anything. Sometimes we just, uh, in different places, uh, we would tell them as we go into a restaurant, if you get too loud, I'm going to go like this. <clears throat> that means it's time to be quiet. Or you sit there and be good. You say, what is that? That's called Training. Amen. Training. Uh, But we had to do it over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. Oh, the boys would remember this, and Rebecca would remember this, that mom and I, uh, we would say, now, did you get your room clean? And they would say, "Uh uh-huh. And we would say, we're not a uh uh-huh. We're a yes, sir. We're a yes, ma'am. And we did it over and over and over and over and over again. We we're traveling in evangelism. Somebody said, how is it that you get your children to answer that way? Always saying, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. I said, we teach them who to respect. And we do it over and over and over again. Matter of fact, we did it uh, so much over and over again that it even trained us. And we'd say it to each other. 
Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying that's the way it is with church, dear friend. When you come to church and you sit under godly preaching over and over and over and over again, here's what happens. If you get used to coming to church and hearing preaching and your faith is growing and your faith is growing and your faith is growing, then one day you stop coming to church, all of a sudden it feels empty, doesn't it? Sure it does. Because you are void. You know, I've said often that, that coming to church and hearing Bible teaching and Bible preaching is like taking vitamins. You don't see an immediate result. But by and by, your endurance gets better. Your brain activity gets better. Your uh, muscular reflex gets better. You find yourself not getting as sick during the wintry months or the changing of the seasons. You know why? Because you're putting it in and putting it in, putting it in and putting it in and putting it in, and eventually it's going to have a positive effect. The same is it with Bible preaching. Uh, and no wonder somebody lays out a church, they say, well, I just don't believe God can answer prayer. No wonder, because you see, they've laid out for so long, they have a weak faith. I'm saying this tonight. I'm saying so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. By the way, uh, how do we trust him? Well, the Bible teaches this. The Bible says in Psalm 119 that this trust will help sustain us when things seem to be unsustainable. Uh, Psalm 119 verse 165. Great peace have they that love thy law. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. I love my dear wife. I love spending time with my wife. All right, because I love spending time with my wife, uh, and we serve God together. We we are, are highly active in helping people. But can I tell you, uh, because there is that love uh, for her, I don't get easily offended by her. You say why? Because I don't judge her on a statement. Amen. Hang that one out to dry for a while. I don't judge her on one day. I don't do that. I, I don't get mad at her because uh, it looks like she's not having a good day. I spent 35 years with a woman as her husband. Uh, she's got 35 years of grace built up, so I don't judge her on one day, or she don't judge me on one day when things are not going right. Can I tell you this tonight? Grace, peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know, uh, sometimes I'll say something to her and she'll just smile at me and then she'll dig back and I'll smile at her. But uh, in the depth of the words, we know that the love uh, is deeper than anything that's ever been said. Therefore, it doesn't interrupt into an argument. One man said, I've never argued with my wife in the house. I always step outside. We don't have to do that. But I do know people this way. I do. I do. I know people in churches. I'm talking about saved people. That the police department has to be called to break up a fight in a saved household. You say, what's that about? Shame. That's what that's about. That's a shame. Uh, uh, I hear that people uh, complain about the neighbor. The neighbor's always yelling and always throwing a fuss and a fit. And they're talking about saved people. That's a, that's a shameful testimony. 
Now, may I say tonight that uh, the word faith is synonymous with that which is the word trust. Uh, God wants us to trust him. The Bible says when we trust him, uh, you can read in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, and the first three verses there talks about how a man is blessed. Blessed is the man that's trusting in the Lord. Blessed is the man uh, that is walking in the ways that he should. So develop, uh, I'm talking about trust in God uh, through an active Bible life. Statement number next, uh, develop communication with God through an active prayer life. Nothing can be said more about this than what should be. Uh, you and I ought to pray when we go through suffering times. Uh, James chapter 5 and verse 13, the Bible says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Uh, is any merry? Let him sing psalms. All right, so he says, now wait a minute. He says that uh, when you're afflicted, what should you do? Pray. Pray. You know, the Bible teaches about our Lord was in Gethsemane. Uh, the book of uh, Matthew chapter 26, you can read uh, the recording there, verses 36 through 44. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a very low time. If you want to look at it from the perspective of humanity, uh, it was a very low time in the Lord's life. And what did he do? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane to do what? To pray. You find Jesus on the cross at Calvary, Luke chapter 23, verses 34, uh, all the way down through verse 46, and you see that as he's hanging on the cross and those that are jeering him and making fun of him, as I mentioned this morning, he cried out to his father in prayer, and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. What did he do during the time of suffering in his life? He prayed. And I think sometimes we live our life, and I'm so sorry, but I have to say it, but sometimes we live our life as Christians and we do not pray. We, we just live our life. It goes day to day. We're in charge. We can handle it. Nothing's going to shake our pillars. Uh, we, we, are, we are right now experiencing some of the greatest amount of economic prosperity that America has experienced in a long time. But if we're not careful, because we are being greatly blessed in our country from an economical standpoint, we become less energetic, lazy, if you will, when it comes to the area of prayer. You know, I've seen this. I've seen this in Christians across America. Their child is not right with God. Their child is not living for God. But as long as this child is not in jail, they are not stirred to pray. But your child is in more danger of going to jail or doing something foolish in their life if they're not a sold-out Christian. I think that that ought to cause an urgency in your heart to pray. If you have a child that doesn't uh, want the things of God, that doesn't want to surrender to God, that doesn't want to live for God, that's not excited about living for God, then that child is in utter danger. So instead of being a dad and a mom that says, well, the child's just being a child. No, a child can be a good child. A child can be a spiritual child. 
And if I had a child that was wayward from God, I'd pick times during the week where I would fast and I would pray and say, God, please get a hold of my child. I don't want my child's life to be that which is destroyed in the future. Hey, thank God tonight. If you've got a mom and you've got a dad that cares enough about you to try and help you and to encourage you uh, to be able to do the things of God. But parents, may I say something to you? Wake up. Wake up. When your child starts acting like the world, when your child starts doing the things that is pleasing to the flesh, it is time for you to wake up out of your pillory type of soft climbing cloud and climb down to reality and help that child to be able to make spiritual decisions and help them to do what's right. I'm saying tonight that we understand that there needs to be a development of communication with God through that which is an active prayer life. Here you'll see the story of that which is Peter. Peter is now in prison. The early church comes together. The leaders now also being persecuted, but they realize that Peter's behind bars. And so they come together with great urgency. They call a prayer meeting. Recorded in Acts chapter 12 and verse 12, the Bible says, and we had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary. God had shook the cell open, had uh, released Peter out of that which is uh, prison and he comes and he, uh, goes to that which is the household of Mary that is the mother of John whose surname uh, was Mark and the Bible says that many were gathered together praying Acts chapter 12 and verse 13 and Peter knocked at the door of the gate and the damsel came and hearkened her name of course was Rhoda the Bible says in verse 14 and when she knew Peter's voice she opened not the gate for gladness and ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate they didn't believe her they thought it must have been a ghost because they were praying but it was just words can I say something tonight? It ought not to be words. It ought to come from the heart. You ought to decide that you're going to get a hold of the horns of the altar like David did and pray and pray and pray. You ought to decide that you're going to be like Jacob and you're not going to let go until God blesses you. You ought to decide that God is the one that can change your life and God is the one that can redirect your house. It is God and only God that can do that. The Bible teaches that when all of a sudden Peter shows up in the house in great disbelief that the people reckon that it not be Peter, that God did not certainly answer their prayer and isn't that a shame. The Bible teaches that prayer gives that inner peace. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer will give you peace. It'll give you peace. I remember being on an airplane one time, us going through a mighty, mighty horrible storm. I remember the, uh, the luggage racks popping open. I remember people, uh, they were not quietly sitting in their seats. They were, <gasps> said, what'd you do? I closed my eyes and I said, dear Lord, if this is the day you take me, thank you for giving me a good life. Peace. Peace. 
Can I tell you, God is the one and the only one that can give you a peace that passeth all understanding. Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 5, the Bible says, uh, If thou hast run, it says with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with the horses? And if the land of peace wherein thou trustest, it says, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? So here we are, and it seems like that honestly in our society, well, there is no fear. We got it good. But God said, he said, if you're weary in the time that you're living in now, what are you going to do when the time gets rough? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when somebody pulls the rug out from under you? Come on now. Our church, God has been kind to. God's been very kind to our church. We have good people. I'm talking about you. I don't let your head swell, but we got good people that come to our church, sweet people. It's a family-oriented church. God's been good to us. We got people that love God. We have people that serve God. God's been good. I think any pastor in America would uh, feel honored to be your pastor as I do. God's been so good to us. But can I tell you this tonight? Can I tell you that uh, we don't need to be that type of person that takes advantage of that? We need to uh, understand how good God has been. Statement number one, I said develop. What do you do when you go through suffering? How can you prepare to go through suffering? Statement number one, I said develop trust in God through active Bible life. Statement number two, develop communication with God through an active prayer life. Last statement of the evening. Statement number three, develop Christian friendship through an active church life. Through an active church life. I kidded with some people the other night. I said, you've been coming to church for a long time. Uh, it's about time you put your feet under the table. If you're going to eat at the table, you might as well get comfortable. Everybody needs a church. Everybody needs somebody that's going to love them. And don't get me wrong when I say this, but everybody needs a preacher that's going to tell you something that you might not have the guts to tell yourself. I know that might not have went over too well, but it's true. It used to be that preachers would get up and they would not preach for popularity, but they would preach truth because they realized that truth is that which would make people free. Now, everybody wants to be uh, socially accepted, if you would please, politically correct. I'd rather be principally correct than politically correct. I'd rather you know what the Bible says because you see, there's only one God that you're going to have to give an answer to. And I think the more Christians that stand to give an answer to God and realize that uh, we have had a Christian nation and it was so founded that way that you and I ought to stand for Christian principles. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, the Bible says uh, two are better than one because they have a good reward in their labor. Verse 10 of uh, Ecclesiastes 4 says this, And if they fall, uh, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe on him uh, when he is alone, when he falleth. He have not another to lift him up. Uh, so the Bible talks here that uh, two are better than one. What's that talking about? Friendships. Man. Friendships. Friendships. Where you can pray with someone, where you can encourage someone, where you can help someone, where you can mentor someone, where you can walk beside someone and, and, and not be on your high horse. 
I remember the first time I walked into an independent Baptist church, I felt so out of place. I just felt so out of place. I, I, it was in the summertime when I got saved, and I worked in a rodeo, and I had blue jeans on. I had snakeskin boots on. They're the best boots I had, by the way. And I had snake, they were not ones I used in the rodeo. These were my dress-up boots. Yeah, snakeskin boots, expensive. And I had those boots on, I had blue jeans on, I had a cowboy belt on, and I had a flannel shirt on, and I had a cowboy hat on. I walked into an independent Baptist church. My hair was a little bit longer than what they were used to seeing, apparently. And because of that one thing, that one thing, I had people stare at me, made me feel highly uncomfortable. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know why. I'd taken my hat off because I had hair a little bit longer than the average person that was attending that church that morning. The hair kind of clung close to my ears and didn't look all tidy. I had people that would stare at me then walk away. They didn't have handshaking at the time in the church that I started to attend. And they didn't have handshaking at that time where you'd walk around and, uh, and shake hands. I don't know if they ever did that later or not. But I would dare say probably, if they would have had it, probably, by the reception that I felt like I was receiving, I doubt very seriously if any, or maybe a few, perhaps would have came by and shook my hand. Can I say I don't want our church to ever get that way? I don't want our church. I don't want our church. I know we have people that have earned doctorate degrees sitting underneath the pitch of my voice, and I thank God for you. We have people sitting under the pitch of my voice right now that make six digits a year. That's wonderful, and I thank God for you. We have people that are highly educated. Oh, I thank God for you. We have people that are young entrepreneurs, and in the future, they'll become very wealthy. I know it. And I thank God for you. But don't you ever get high-minded. Don't, don't ever become somebody where you're looking down your nose at somebody else because they're not living at the level that you're presently living at. Don't do that. I, I like it when you go around and shake hands and don't pick who you're shaking the hand of. Don't do that. Well, I'm not going to shake so-and-so's hand because they don't smell good. Well, they might think you don't smell good. So why both of you are thinking that neither one of you smell good, why don't you shake hands and smell each other? It ought never be that way. Ought never be that way. When I pastored in Tennessee, I had some people who was in Tennessee that barely made it, just like we have people I pastor here that barely make it. I had people I pastored in Tennessee that were very wealthy. We had a lady uh, owned her own jewelry store, very, very wealthy. One of my deacons owned thousands of acres and sold heavy-duty equipment and all sorts of uh, rodeo and type of stuff and stuff like that. He's pretty well-to-do, pretty well-to-do. Had a person that was on uh, the board, uh, and I think even later on uh, became vice mayor or something like that uh, in the town uh, next to us uh, that was uh, Fulton, Kentucky. Uh, I had a man that owned his own glass company uh, that was a member of the church. I had a man that was a premier insurance salesman 
that was there in the state of Tennessee. I'm talking about he did quite well. Uh, we, we had uh, 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 people that, and when we started, we started with just a small group, and then God built it. We started, I don't know how many was there, but just a small group, and then it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And I kept telling our people, don't get high-minded. Uh, don't, 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 don't think you've arrived. Please don't do that. Because everybody that attends that church needs somebody to love them. May I say to Parkside Baptist Church, it doesn't matter uh, what the numbers are. Don't you ever let the numbers impress you. Uh, work with the individual. Love the individual. And I thank God that we have fellowships that there's more individuals to fellowship with. It's a whole lot more fun to fellowship with people than it is by yourself. Because you know everything about you. And now already you're bored. So it's a whole lot easier to fellowship with someone else. But may I say tonight as kindly as I can that you and I ought to develop friendships in the church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, be the last verses I read, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24, the Bible says, uh, for our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together having given more abundant honor uh, to that part which lacked. Listen to what it says. The Bible says that there should be uh, no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Isn't this amazing? It's in your Bible. So there should be no schisms in the body, but we should have the same care one for another. The Bible says in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 12, the Bible says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or whether one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and the members it talks about here in particular. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14, the Bible says, now we exhort you, brethren, Warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. So God says that we're a part of the family that God has given us right here. So enjoy your family. Spend time with your family. You know, uh, you ought to get to know uh, each other so well that uh, you can go up with anybody and shake their hand and say, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. You know, I, I said this morning, and as a testimonial, that uh, in my heart, I don't have art towards any man. And in my heart, it, it, you know, uh, just to know that uh, you love people for who they are Amen. is a very important thing. Amen. And you try to help people get closer to God. I don't know how many years I'll be pastor of Parkside Baptist Church. I plan on pastoring until I'm old and gray. Right now, I'm 58. I don't know why. My daddy died when he was 57. He did not use Grecian formula. But my daddy died when he was 57. You couldn't find a gray hair in his entire head. I don't know why that is, but the Wellses seem to be people that we just don't gray very much. We have all the other problems instead. But can I tell you this, uh, the, the, as long as I have energy, I, as long as I have vitality, as long as I have a get up and go that's not God up and gone, Amen. 
then I'll serve God until my dying day. Oh, I'd love to pastor here at Parkside to him 70, 75 or so, and just give it everything I've got just to see what God's going to do. But I'd like for us to do it together. I'd like for us to be a church family. I'd like for us to meet each other's needs. I'd like for us to help each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, and continue to grow in the grace of God as long as God permits us the opportunity to be able to do so. So what do you do? What do you do? How is it that you can prepare for suffering, immerse yourself in this Bible, have a Bible life, communicate with God in prayer, have a prayer life? How can you prepare yourself for suffering? Here's what you do. You prepare yourself for suffering by having a church life, by uh, encouraging those. Don't, don't expect people to live for you. You live for them. You encourage them. You be there for them. You love them. You walk beside them. I preach for Jerry White tomorrow night. Jerry said this. He said, not everybody does what you do, and I appreciate you. Here's what he said, and I'm looking forward to being with him for this reason. He said, you've accepted me for who I am, and you love me, and for that reason, Amen. I want you to preach in my pulpit. Can I tell you that if you love people, it would take you a country mile. It really will. We had a guy that lived across the last illustration, I think. We had a guy that lived across the street from us when I was a, a, a youth pastor, Central Baptist Church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And uh, I, I tried my best to lead him to Christ. I never could. And I, I, I know what I'm doing in giving the gospel, but he was just kind of shut down to it. Oftentimes my wife would bake him a, a, a cake or something, and I'd take it over. And several times I mowed his lawn for him. He owned uh, of, they, 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 had, they patented a fishing ride, he and his brothers, and they sold the fishing ride. Uh, it was carried at Walmart and Kmart and all the other marts and fishing equipment stores and all that. And so he had probably a little money tucked under his shoe somewhere. And, but I didn't care about any of that. What I cared about is here was a man that was my neighbor that if he didn't get saved, one day he's going to die and he's going to burn in hell. I didn't want that at all. Well, I'd go across the street and uh, I'd sit down with Mr. Fish, uh, Mr. Uh, Brothers. His name was Brothers, wasn't it? Brothers? Got lived across the street. Well, if it wasn't, it is now. And uh, I, I went across the street and I'd sit down with him and uh, we'd eat cake together and drink milk and we'd talk and we'd have a good time. And every time he had a need, he'd come across the street. And he'd say, Mike, can you help me with this? I said, man, I'd be glad to. And I was always trying to meet his need. Had another friend. He fought in World War II. And, uh, and he lived a couple. I met him out soul winning one day. He lived down in another neighborhood. And I don't know why. He just reminded me of my grandfather. And so uh, I, I would often go to his house. And he fought in World War II. And he built a toy box for my kids. We still have the toy box today. And uh, he built a toy box for, my ch for our children. And, and we still have that today. And, uh, uh, but it just becoming friends. We had a lady that lived next to us in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. She was crazy. Not for real. She was crazy. 
And, uh, and, and, and I, we, we spent time with her. I remember the first time I ever sat in her living room and I started to sit down in the rocking chair. She said, oh, no, no, don't, don't sit there. I said, why? She said, Henry's sitting there. I said, I don't remember Henry. Who is Henry? She said, that's my husband. There wasn't nobody in that rocking chair. I'm telling you the truth. And sometimes she would call me up and she would say, you know, Henry tried to work on the sink today and couldn't get it fixed. Could you come over and fix it for me? I said, yes, ma'am, I'll be right there. I'd go over and spend hours working on a sink. It's just something about loving people. You don't have to ex expect love in return. That's not who we're supposed to be. I got a friend that uh, he uh, inspects our vehicles, inspects our church vehicles, and lives right over here. And, uh, he's an Italian fella uh, or something. And, uh, and I, I've gone by many times, and I said, now look. I said, how you doing? And he said, well, he said, preacher, I need those prayers. So that's why I'm here. I came by just to check on you and see how you're doing. And many times we just pray. Got a fellow down here down the street. He owns that Greek restaurant. Greek restaurant. And, uh, and uh, he's from Greece. And I mean, he's a true blue Greece. And he goes to the Greek Orthodox Church. I'm trying to get him here for Saturday night. And he goes to the Greek Orthodox Church. And we become good friends. Not saved. Not saved. But I'm trying to reach into his life trying to lead him to Christ. Uh, I got some uh, lady down here at the gas station. She says, you're my preacher. I said, you've never even come to the church. She said, but you'll always be my preacher. I'll watch you on that tube thing. I said, okay, thank you. She'll be watching tonight. And, uh, and so she said, I'll watch you on that tube thing. Now, what am I saying? I'm just not a rambling young man up here. I, I'm saying this. I'm saying uh, that as, as, as church members, as we do love others outside of the church, stay with my thought, so ought we to love others inside of the church. Amen. Levi Hoff got in a car accident, messed his car up. I'm glad he didn't mess his body up. And boy, I tell you, I was just so concerned about Levi. He's got a motorcycle. He knows my opinion about the motorcycle. His parents hold my same opinion. They did not pay me to give this advertisement. But he got in a car wreck, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I sweat bullets. Because I just didn't want him to get hurt. When you love people, it'll come out. I was talking to Addie out here. I said, how's your daddy doing? She said, he's not doing too well. He's been sick the past month and a half or so. He's not been able to go to work. You get stuff inside of you for other people because you fall in love with people. Don't ignore the church folk. Love the people around you. Help the people around you. Don't get high-minded. I've said often, if somebody's criticizing somebody behind their back, that means they're a critic in the heart. Nine times out of ten, when you walk away, they're going to criticize you because that's really who they are. But they can change if they want to. I'm saying this tonight, and I'm done. I promise. 
grow in your church life and help people and love people. Father, bless tonight. We pray. Thank you for church. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.